function in sound. Built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work that Magnesium is naturally found in foods like. This is the Well and Good podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. How do you actively connect to your mind and body? This month at Well and Good, we are exploring that connection along with many other related topics with the release of our minds issue. We'll be shining a light on our collective need for more candid conversations surrounding our mental well-being and the advocacy and equity necessary to get there. I'm Director of Podcast Taylor Camille, and today we're in conversation with Allison Stoner, the actor, author, and co-founder of the well-being startup movement Genius, reflects on their journey to healing and how shifting focus from media industry standards and narratives of well-being to evidence-based somatic practices has improved how they show up for themselves. And really how they show up for other people because Allison's startup has served more than 10,000 people with thoughtful programming that helps create sustainable routines and acknowledges that every day might look different. I really enjoyed our conversation and hope you will too. Please don't forget to follow our show wherever you're listening so you don't miss an episode. Share this with a friend and on socials. And on Sundays this month, we have some bonus episodes to help you ease into your week. So look out for those too. All right, that's everything. Here's Allison. Hey, everyone. I'm Allison Stoner. I'm an actor, author, and founder of Movement Genius, a mental health company. And you've released a really amazing new podcast, Dear Hollywood. You've hosted an, a, a slew of podcasts and projects. So congratulations on that. I feel like it's a huge, huge accomplishment. People think podcasts are just press record and go, and they're not. <laughs> so congrats. I think some these days do just press <laughs> record and go. <laughs> And the extemporaneous delivery, I don't think, always works in people's favor. But Dear Hollywood is very thoroughly designed. It's so calculated in terms of the writing and the research. And it's vetted by therapists just because it's dealing with really sensitive subject matter. And I want to approach it mindfully, not only so that we can better protect current generations uh, of performers, but also to promote self-reflection for everyone listening in our, you know, individual healing journeys. So yes, that project took way more effort than probably how it appears. Yeah, no, I can see see the effort. And it's definitely necessary, definitely necessary conversations and reflections. And one of the first questions I wanted to ask you was sort of thinking back to how you previously defined health. What do you think you were in pursuit of or not? And mm. Yeah, just how kind of you were operating before you really reconnected with the voice that you have today. I think like many people, my understanding of health was largely guided by whatever was modeled or not modeled in my house, as well as the narratives from health magazines and media. And my mother is a classic yo-yo dieter, and so I kind of viewed food as this thing to either permit or restrict based on goals. And I viewed the body generally as an object to fix and perfect or 
a tool that just I lug around and, you know, tell it to do things. I didn't really understand that it was an intelligent part of me mm-hmm. and the holder of my entire life experience. And that if I listen to it and build trust with it and care for it, not only can it, yes, perform better, but there's also a much deeper connection to self and others in the world. So after experiencing my own eating disorder, I recognized, oh, my understanding of health and this whole like self-sacrificial restrictive model is not sustainable. Mm. Something needs to change. And now, you know, the mind-body connection, which is a core concept that drives my company, Movement Genius, is really, it's been the most life-transforming tool to understand just how interconnected all of the systems are and Mm. how to properly process, express, and release what's going on in your mind and body throughout any given day. Yeah. So key. There's so many pieces. And yeah, they all need space and time and attention. And I wondered, what was sort of the tipping point for you that sparked your interest in healing? And then out of what need did you realize movement genius is necessary? I have to like birth this project. And yeah, just want to get into that piece. I think a layer here regarding health and well-being is that it was quite performance-driven prior, and it was an outside-in mm-hmm. process. And my insides eventually started screaming mm-hmm. and signaling with different health issues and pains and aches that I didn't expect to have for another 30 or 40 years. Mm-hmm. I had to pause. I was burning out. And I wish I would have listened sooner, but I didn't. And after learning about the mind-body connection, I think that's what, that's when I recognized, oh, I think I've been doing this a bit backwards. Mm-hmm. Health starts within and, yeah. and from that strong foundation um, and that inner uh, world, I'm able to then show up in life, uh, experience a better quality of life, and also contribute to the world uh, in a a much more rounded and and nuanced and liberated and mm-hmm. secure and yeah. you know generous way not just operating from lack trying to like hold things together and control everything i think one other note is that the things i was trying to control ended up controlling me and when mm-hmm. i recognized i needed to find different ways to manage emotion manage thoughts um i knew I knew that my kind of perfectionism in regards to health and well-being wasn't actually um, the full story, that there was something else in terms of healing that was, um, yeah, was going to actually make a, a much larger difference than the suffering that I was kind of putting myself through. Yeah. It's so interesting. I mean, obviously, the outside perception is what so many people hold on to and attach to. And it's As you mentioned, like our bodies will literally force us to stop, (laughs) like, you know, and outside you might look fine and be perceived as fine, but it's the inside that really matters, like on so many fronts. And so it's it's like, I mean, just feels like a, I don't know, reiteration of like what we all know to be true, but like when it really 
comes to that, it's like, okay, I have, like, I have to sit down. There's no other way out of this. And our consciousness shifts, right? Like the more we heal, Mm -hmm. our awareness shifts how we even perceive what's going on. And therefore the ways I thought I could be helpful Mm -hmm. to people prior when I was stuck in my perfectionism is very different from how I might approach a conversation now and recognize, oh, they they don't need a solution. They just want me to listen and hold space. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, instead of trying to solve this problem, I just want to offer compassion and validate someone's mm-hmm. experience. You know, it's your awareness evolves. And, you know, the things that I, I thought I was doing to help people prior, I now recognize, hmm, maybe those weren't actually the most helpful approaches. Something that that you said sparked this reminder, there's a speaker who talks about mismatched evolution and how our technology is going at one pace, our systems at another, our biological evolution at yet another. And truly, the amount of information input, the modern lifestyle, the interconnectedness globally, like this is a lot for our nervous systems, mm-hmm. even if we did nothing other than just scroll the internet all day long. And so uh, there has to be some level of kind of like a, a, a counter a counterbalance. We kind of mm-hmm. need some sort of ritual to really be able to manage w- what daily life means in 2023. You can't really be neutral about rest. You have to be intentional. Otherwise, yeah. it's just yeah. nonstop information all the time. Yeah, you've got to be really proactive about your rest. Um, Mm -hmm. And other pieces, like you really just can't kind of sit to the sidelines and hope it will all like pan out. Like you really have to be intentional about what you consume. And community, we can't do it alone. No, we can't do it alone as much as this country thinks that we can or should. But that's a whole other, that's a whole other, I'm like, I could talk about that for days. Mm -hmm. But I mean, Movement Genius is so great because even recently myself on you know, my journey to like reconnecting with my body have kind of tried to rule out saying I'm working out or I fitness, like those rigid words. And I think movement is such a beautiful word because it encompasses so much and it it leaves, leaves room for us to just kind of be free and messy and just like inventive and not feel like I have to do 30 minutes of a high intensity workout to mm-hmm. matter, you know, um, mm-hmm. it lets us be soft. And so what are your thoughts on kind of the role of movement, what movement has helped you work through, and yeah, kind of the your idea from the name. Yes. When my sister, who's my co-founder, and I were looking at the wellness market, we saw this repeated imagery of high-intensity fitness or sitting perfectly cross-legged in meditation, mm-hmm. and it felt quite narrow in terms mm-hmm. of what a human body is capable of experiencing and the different ways we could move and do move throughout our day that aren't categorically fitness or perfect mindfulness meditation practice. Mm -hmm. And we wanted to create a space where the tools matched whatever you're doing in your daily life. Maybe you're sitting in your car and you can't work out, but a short little stretch that helps create a little more mobility does feel better. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny how when we measure things so rigidly, sometimes we won't do that stretch because we think, well, it's not going to be a 15-minute workout, so it's not going to count, so I shouldn't do it at all. So we just wanted to remove all those barriers, all the unhelpful perspectives, 
and say, what does it mean to meet yourself exactly where you are? To ask yourself, what's my capacity right now? Am I at 100% or 25%? Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm at 25. Let me adjust my expectations, start at a slower pace, and build trust with my body that I'm I'm here to take care of it, not just to punish it, Mm -hmm. and actually ask, what would feel helpful and good right now? Sometimes, yes, it is to push a little bit, but sometimes it's to pull back. And can you give yourself permission to have that kind of dynamic living and active relationship with your body? And um, so there's just more listening. There's more sensitivity. There's more room to be human. And so all of our tools, we have 250 classes and they're designed by therapists and they, you know, help reduce stress, help alleviate anxiety. um, And it's all geared towards your mind and body. Because also wellness looks different for everybody and it feels different every day. So we need tools that feel like they can help us manage what that moment is bringing into our, our view. Yeah, yeah. Truly, every day is so different. I something as you were speaking, I this morning literally had the thought. I was like, "What if every day was the same?" Like you know, the Groundhog's Day, I guess, type of thing. Like, what if every day truly was the same? And I thought to myself, I think I would be so bored. Like this morning, I I woke up and I did yoga on the floor because I'm on my cycle, and I was just like, my lower back is on fire right now, and I like. But yesterday, I just went on a walk, and you know, it's like Mm -hmm. I didn't. I'm not moving my body in the same way because. I'm trying to listen and like show up for it mm-hmm. as I can each, which, whichever comes my way, you know? And I think if right. more of us felt the flexibility to embrace that and like not feel like we had to kill ourselves every day to burn those calories and like how much more could we invite in if we just had to change our, our mindset? Yeah. I think we also, at least in our U.S. culture, tend to approach health and wellness with a, an outcome-oriented mindset mm, yep. as opposed to process-oriented. Mm-hmm. And when you're just focused on the outcome, usually whether it's a diet or a workout regimen, it works for a little bit, you know, and you maybe see some results and you kind of use that reward system to push yourself to keep going. But eventually, like all things, life is going to change. Something's not going to be sustainable. And usually that's when we think, oh no, I've failed. Whereas if you approach it more as a process, a living and active daily process, then not only can it actually be more enjoyable (laughs) and you can have some flexibility with what you do one day and the next day, but it becomes this sort of liberated way of being and caring for self the way that, you know, a parent knows their child every day is going to have different moments that need different kinds of attention. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're learning truly self-care, not just the, you know, products that are on the aisle <laughs> the called the self-care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I want to talk to you about some of the programs that are on your platform. Um, one that caught my eye in particular was the affirmation workouts. I just think you're approaching movement and approaching self-care in such a like unique way and would love to explore that more. Yeah. So first I'll share, we have a getting started category in case people think like, I'm not really familiar with any of these concepts. And you can learn 10 simple 
stress relief techniques in under 10 minutes a day. And by the end of the 10 days, you're like, huh, now in that next moment with my boss or with my family, like I have a little tool that I can use to to feel better (laughs) and not like completely lose my cool. Um, And so we have a, you know, a bunch of other movement and mental health and emotional health categories. Affirmation workouts came from the idea that um, we wanted to literally address the mind and the body at the same time. And it's simple 15-minute workouts that um, combine a couple different moves. You always can do it at whatever pace and intensity feel right for you in that day. We actually have standing and seated options, so there's more variety. Mm -hmm. And um, while we go through the movements, I recite particular affirmations based around whatever theme you choose. So if you're like, hey, today I want to tap into creativity or today I actually need some help with um, alleviating stress, then you select the workout, move through it at your pace and intensity. You can always take breaks. Like it's so not about, you know, acing anything. And simultaneously, you're able to repeat to yourself this new tape and it's a, a chance to check in with your mindset, um, perhaps adjust some of the thoughts you were having about yourself. And mm-hmm. it also gives you a mood boost. We found that when people um, try the affirmation workouts, at the end, instead of feeling depleted, people are like, how do I have more energy than when I started? <laughs> and I think being able to feel like you're being filled up, you know, mind, body, spirit um, is it's a real gift and it's available, Mm -hmm. right? Like it's not, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be reserved for an expensive retreat or, you know, some inaccessible, fancy, anything like you can use our affirmation workouts or go make your own that feel like Mm -hmm. they're tailored to you. And when you move, you know, care for your mind at the same time and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, it's so true. And I, I I love that you mentioned that you don't have to like, you can pause, you can take your breaks. Like literally this morning as I was doing my yoga from a little YouTube video, I was like, I don't know if I have 30 minutes in me. Like I really don't want to do 30. And then I was like, okay, I was going to press play. And before I knew it was over and I was like, okay, that wasn't, that was not a big deal. Yeah. Like, you know, and yeah, just giving yourself that grace of like, let's just start and see how far I can get. And I don't have to be perfect. Yeah, something I love with the affirmation workouts. So there are three rounds of the movements and between each round I ask, what feels right for this round? Do you want to, you know, mm-hmm. dig in a little more or do you want to cool off a little bit or do you want to just drink water and recite the affirmations? Like you have mm-hmm. options and that's wonderful. Like you'll have mm-hmm. a more interesting dynamic experience and by the end, you know, you won't feel like Ugh, I can't even face the rest of my day because I gave everything to this and I, you know, yeah. feel poorly about how I showed up. No, like this is, it's a conversation. And, mm-hmm. and I think just being reminded that that's okay is helpful because typically if we do click on to watch a video, it's almost like we assume the instructor is asking us at all times to give 1000% no matter what. Exactly. I'm like, no, 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 this is, that's not, that's not the approach here. It, only yeah. if that feels like that's what you need, uh, will I, you know, invite you to, to lean into it. Otherwise, like, let's check in throughout. And, right. you know, 
try some variations. You did the first round standing, do the second round sitting. Great. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. By the third <laughs> round, you're like, hmm, I think I actually have more in the tank. Okay, cool. Stand and and give it your all. This is your exactly. time. It's your body. It's your movement. It's your choice. And like own that. Let it be something that builds your sense of confidence and your sense of autonomy. Like rarely, mm-hmm. I, I think, are we in situations with, you know, hierarchical job ecosystems and what have you where we're like reminded of our autonomy. So mm-hmm. movement geniuses classes are like, hey, check in with yourself. Be empowered to, to mm-hmm. choose what you need for your well-being. And then now you know how to hold space for other people and, and offer them the same. Exactly. Yeah, that's powerful stuff. I'm really like thinking, I'm like, where where did we come off like being so, I don't know, quote unquote, obedient with like, I have to show up like this and I have to do it well and I have to look like everyone else in the room. And I, right. you know, it's like, where did that come from? Where is yes. that notion? How can we dismantle that? Because it's yes. not serving us. We have adaptive yoga. Uh, Mm -hmm. from an instructor who uses a wheelchair just so people who are wheelchair users or have limited mobility know like there are classes where you'll have variations Mm -hmm. tailored to your body but our Mm -hmm. accessible yoga class with natalia something i love about how she teaches is everyone in the class looks different and Mm -hmm. because we're listening to our individual bodies i love coming from a competitive dance background as a child where it was all about uniformity and conformity i find it so beautiful when i see our virtual live class and everybody has chosen something different for themselves in that moment and they're Mm -hmm. honoring what they need yet when we get to the end of class and we check in there's that's usually where the uniformity is in terms of how everyone's feeling, which is I feel more connected, I feel more yep. relaxed, but we all had different pathways getting there. And I think, yeah, having instructors who celebrate that, um, it makes a, a totally different experience. Yeah, absolutely. We had Natalia on the podcast maybe, really? I don't know, a few months ago, maybe oh. a year ago at this point. Yeah, she's great. We love her. She's yeah. so wonderful. Oh. Yeah, she's great. She's That's, so wonderful. She's, yeah, yeah. I wanted to also ask you, which I'm sure at this point there are thousands of go-tos, but what maybe lately are some of your go-tos for getting out of your head, feeling reconnected to self, um, anything that comes to mind? I mean, you're asking the person who has a long list of options here. (laughs) So for a lot of people, myself included, if you ask me to calm down by taking deep breaths, you can almost guarantee that my anxiety is going to spike even more. So I usually (laughs) start with Uh, kind of moving the body. Sometimes I notice that when I'm anxious, I I shrink and I am folding. And so usually Mm -hmm. I need some kind of soothing thing to begin with. And I'll just place a hand, you know, on my heart, or sometimes it's my head if I feel like my thoughts are racing. And I'll hold for a moment just to check in and sort of provide comfort. Then I'll try to slowly, as my body feels ready, expand to create room to take a little bit deeper breath and then I usually Mm -hmm. do some sort of kind of shaking and wiggling for you know just put on one song and that actually ends up moving some of the stressful energy through the body it's so simple but it's quite effective 
And another thing that I like to use is something called bilateral tapping. No one has to see what you're doing while you're in the meeting, um, but you can just tap, you know, on your legs or you can fold your arms and, and tap side to side. But that kind of rhythmic, steady motion not only helps activate both brain hemispheres, which allows information on both sides to better communicate with each other and integrate, but it also gives your body a chance to find sort of a calming trance and and rhythmic movement. Um, Also, the the smallest and simplest thing is sometimes when you're just sitting perfectly still, a gentle sway as if you were holding a baby or you were the baby being held and swayed goes a long way. Mm -hmm. These are micro movements, truly. Um, but they can make such a difference. Our daily life is not really modeled around how our bodies naturally have evolved to move. So these small little adjustments in posture or tension versus relaxation can really shift not only your breathing, but your emotional experience, your your perspective. I'll say one more because then you can choose whichever feels um I'm like, useful. all of these, these are just amazing. Keep okay. going. Yeah, yeah. Um, so one of my favorites currently is progressive muscle relaxation. And you might have already heard of it. It's this idea where when you feel tension somewhere, instead of relaxing, you actually lean into the tension, bring your awareness mm. to it, and then guide it away. So you have a little bit more um, awareness of what's going on in your body. However, sometimes you can't do like a full body scan head to toe, focusing on each part one at a time. So I like to take my hands and picture myself wringing out a towel. And so Mm. I'll hold the tension for, you know, eight to 10 seconds and I'll focus all the stressful energy, the emotions of the day into that moment. And then on the count of three, I release from 100 to zero boom, and let my entire body relax. I'll do Mm. like three or four rounds of that. And then I'll sit for a moment and notice how it feels different when things are tense versus calm. And if I help myself memorize the feeling of calm, it means later when this happens again, I actually have a faster pathway to get back to that sense of calm again. So Definitely recommend. Sometimes you just got to wring out the towel. Um, mm-hmm. And and uh, especially if it's like after a tough conversation or before a stressful meeting, like mm-hmm. focus all your energy in here. Let it all be, you know, in, in the towel and then <laughs> release it entirely. Yeah. That's, I think, the visual. And I mean, you described a lot of those modalities really like thoughtfully and I think it's just the visual of the towel I'm like I can see it I can yeah I need to get this out and I think that's super helpful yeah sorry I'm gonna say one more no I love it if you're experiencing anger and it feels overwhelming uh, our therapist Dr. Damon talks about being able to go into a room or anywhere where you can play a song and allow your hands to be in fists for the entire duration of the song and you kind of let the anger and the energy um, accumulate there. At the end of the song, you slowly release your fingers and you, you know, 
can say a mantra such as like, I'm letting go or I'm releasing. And it gives yourself a chance to, you know, name the anger, see it, understand that it's valid and help guide it out of your system. So you can do that, you know, in the car, you know, you could tell <laughs> your team that you need to take a quick bathroom break and go do that in the bathroom for one minute. Um, but you can still physicalize the emotion in a, a safe way um, mm-hmm. that doesn't, you know, cause harm to yourself or anyone else. Yeah, I think that's really crucial because sometimes you have all these feelings and you just don't know where to put them. <laughs> and you're like, I need, like, I I see you there, but I need to, like, release you. Or I see you there and I want to acknowledge you, but is this a safe space to do that? Right. So. Yeah. Uh, if the, yeah, if emotions crucial. don't have anywhere to go, they will be stored in the body and they'll show up later as tension or, you know, irritability or stress or burnout. So finding these tools that help your mind and body recalibrate are essential. Like I said, it's yeah. not really optional. It's sort of like the manual I wish we all got growing up, what it means yeah. to be human. <laughs> in a mind and body, especially in 2023. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Thinking back to nine-year-old Allison, what tools do you wish they had to better navigate childhood stardom? And maybe Mm. even more pressingly, what tools do you wish the adults in positions of power exercised in dealing with young talent? When it comes to high-performing children, they're often in adult-oriented work environments. And the adults don't usually go through any training in terms of what it means to work with a child or have age-appropriate expectations, even down to simple things like focus. And so Mm -hmm. you find that the kids who are the most obedient are usually rewarded because they are complying with whatever is asked of them with the least amount of friction. Whereas when you think of healthy childhood development, you actually usually want to create some space to allow a child to have moments of imagination or saying, hey, I actually really am tired and do need to go to bed. And so I I hope that as I continue pushing forward with the podcast, we can talk about ways for adults to understand what it means to create safer spaces for young people, mm-hmm. particularly allowing young people to be their whole self and not just the performer that we're mm-hmm. you know, demanding they be in that moment. Um, they have a whole world, right, of, you know, thoughts and feelings and things going on. And we want to be able to to speak to them in their wholeness, not just mm-hmm. as this, you know, commodified product in an industry. Um, in terms of being a young person and a performer, you know, automatically you can imagine that that's a lot of high stress, high adrenaline on stage, and then crash after. And that's just a normal Mm -hmm. thing that happens in our nervous systems. But I had no language or understanding of what to do about that. So I wish I had a ritual of some sort for the come up and the come down to help Mm -hmm. regulate and also not overanalyze and have that mental loop of what I just do in that audition. Did I make any mistakes? Am I going to get the part? Did they like me? Mm -hmm. How can I release some of the intrusive thoughts and shift into the rest of my day? Another thing is if you're performing and you're playing a character of some sort, sometimes if you forget, you'll stay that character the rest of the day. And you don't ever de-roll. 
And so I wish that I understood that though I just portrayed this scene, it didn't actually happen. And I don't have to keep it in my memory as if it was my own life. Um, mm. I think I I might have at least, you know, felt a, a clearer sense of who I was and who I wasn't. Um, mm -hmm. But, you know, growing up is such a sensitive and vulnerable time. So whatever we can do to create more informed spaces uh, for children and in our healing journey to have more compassion for the young parts of us who just felt like, wow, this world is so much, sometimes too much, too soon, too fast, too little, too <laughs> slow, too something. I think we can care for others and ourselves uh, a bit better and, and do less harm and see, yeah, kind of, it, it's the, the cheesy thing, but it's like, and reimagine the systems, yeah. you know, reimagine the world in a way that's informed by well-being and not just uh, the other kinds of results we've been chasing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that came up as you were talking was um, that if adults, adult actors feel like Carrie Washington released a new book recently and she talks about how she, after scandal like she was like I'm not Olivia Pope like I'm, that was like seasons of my life but like I'm not her like if she as an adult has to coach herself through separating real mm -hmm. from fake like how can we expect you know child performers to not also be experiencing that and right. like how can we show up for them so yeah there's really interesting research I'll spare you now but it's fascinating to look at what's happening in the brain when performers portray other characters. You can mm -hmm. not only legitimately traumatize yourself as if something really happened, but you actually might experience a splitting within your own personality. And, mm -hmm. and so, you know, does it mean we want to call off all storytelling through performance? No, but can we be mindful of right. what we're asking people to do. And yes, if they're young, there are greater risks of other, um, you know, negative repercussions. So you just have to be, yeah, ultra sensitive. And and it's possible, I'm sure. There's got to be a way. Um, but it, right now, you know, it's kind of like we, we got excited about something, but we didn't check to see how it was actually going to affect people. And right. Same with technology. I'm like, that's amazing say. that you, I love that you just built this incredible thing using artificial intelligence, but did you check the data sets to see if they were racist or did you check the, you know, anything like, so, hey, before we jump in, can we do some due diligence? Just a little, please. That would be really great. Like, seems awesome. Let's think about the long term. For just, real. Yeah. And place some barriers and some, like, you know, just think it through a little bit more before yeah. we just dive in. That's yeah. a that's a, a beautiful aspect that seems to be missing in our culture, which is, can we think about the multi-generational perspective? I should clarify, mm -hmm. our dominant U.S. culture has forgotten to include the multi-generational legacy of our decisions and community alone, a more community-centered perspective, I think would change a lot of our decisions right off the bat yeah. and outcomes. <laughs> That's yeah. for another time. 
I know. I like I thought of like, like we could go a lot many, of directions. I don't know, know so what. many directions. You know, it's great to know that other people are doing that. People are doing the work to mm-hmm. do the best we can in the systems that exist. Um, I think it's important, although it might seem like we're running in place. I think at least we're more aware and we're having thoughtful conversations about it. So that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> holding up some mirrors to ourselves and each other certainly exactly exactly what i've loved about what you've done and what you continue to do is that in holding space for yourself and your emotions which is like just really hard work to do and then not only are you like doing that for yourself but then you're like being kind enough to bring us all along on your journey with you and so I think in doing that work, like you're really carving out space for other people to feel empowered, to reconnect with themselves and identify what safe space looks like and what feels good for them. And so um, how have you kind of cultivated this feeling of safety in your work and why is that important to you? We have to name up front that even in our best attempt to create a quote unquote safe space, No space is ever perfectly safe, especially for everyone. And sometimes safety is conflated with comfort. And sometimes we need we need ourselves to be brave and willing to do something that's uncomfortable, which might at first feel unsafe. So, you know, got to name that. Um, Mm -hmm. But also I have to I have to look at the people in my life who created a safe space for me and what that felt like and how that allowed me to transform as a human. My vocal coach, even though I was there for a singing lesson, felt like a father figure because I was able to bring my whole self into the room exactly as I was. And he held Mm -hmm. space and guided me. My Mm -hmm. first therapist changed my life. And so when I thought about, you know, getting some certifications, I not only held my firsthand experience, but then I thought I need to be aware of other people's lived experiences. I can't mm-hmm. assume that what works for me works for someone else. So, you know, a lot of our studying and training was how can we be more culturally responsive? How can we understand, you know, at an embodied level what well-being might look like and feel like for another person who is different from us. Mm-hmm. That kind of level of attention to detail was incredible to witness in all of my instructors. And, you know, I think it's a combination of like hard education, you know, mm-hmm. looking at important research and information, um, as well as obviously doing your, your own work all the time mm-hmm. to check your own biases. And it's constant. Like there's never going to be a time when I have figured out everything, right? Um, so I, I have invisible spots that people reflect back to me all the time. And I'm like, oop, yep, okay, cool. We are fully human. Still human, <laughs> it looks like. But for Movement Genius, we didn't want to rush into trying to build a business. We wanted to make sure what is the foundation made of. And so we had all of these wonderful advisors who thought about health equity, who thought about accessibility, not just as buzzwords, but like a way of life. And they helped us build from the ground up something that hopefully as many people as possible can utilize. And 
that's kind of how we view wellness. To do anything less for us is to actually contribute to the gap, the the mm-hmm. health equity gap. Um, so, you know, no, you can't build something that works for literally everybody in the exact same way, but you can build with everyone in mind and take some approaches that make it far more enjoyable and accessible for more people. Yeah. Yeah. But it's imperfect. (laughs) I was going to say, what has been a challenge in your advocacy work and as you've been on this journey and obviously being a founder is no easy task, but yeah. what? (laughs) Why did I choose that? I chose that too. What? You know, I'm going to share this transparently. I don't know if people will expect to hear this. I think there's an assumption that because I worked in entertainment, I might have giant bank accounts and unlimited access to resources. But what we found as first-time founders is it's really hard to get funding, Mm -hmm. especially in the mental health space. People know the issue is there, but they're nervous about, you know, where the money will go unless you're like a, a big therapy company. And, um, it's, it's been challenging to have a true intention to serve people and just a lack of resources to be able to operationalize it and scale it. Um, so instead of chasing after funding, we decided let's just stay smaller and serve people in a deeper way. Mm -hmm. And if and when we find access to funding, okay, we'll we'll consider, you know, growing the team. But for now, we'd rather stay in integrity um, and stay smaller. Um, but the the funding question, especially for like, you know, underrepresented founders, if you're queer, if you're a woman, if you're a person of color, if you're disabled, it's like the rates of funding are it's just like wild to even look at the data yep but i will say along the way we've met incredible cohorts of founders who are finding a way to bring their brilliant ideas into the world some with experience previously some with none and Mm -hmm. that's really inspiring i didn't see myself as becoming a founder i just recognized there's a problem that i seem to have a unique platform and position to help solve won't solve the whole thing but i can do mm-hmm. something and even now i mean this i don't know that people care to know this but even though we've started our own company my sister and i talk about at any given time if we found someone else who we could team up with and we can grow together that is even stronger than us trying to mm-hmm. all individually build our own companies and things so we're excited mm-hmm. about you know, having a wellness ecosystem and not just all of us trying to vie for one spot. Like, come on, we're ready for, we're ready for a new, a new way, (laughs) please. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Really kind of want your perspective on, I mean, we've talked about this a little, but the importance of these conversations and having conversations about your mental health, kind of how can we inspire more people to seek their own path to healing and maybe even what resources helped you on your journey. You mentioned some people that came into your life, but yeah. 
compared to years ago, I think we are having more conversations generally about mental health, but it's still quite an uncomfortable topic for many people. And maybe they find resources online that feel safe, but having a conversation with their loved ones or, you know, someone at school or at work still feels way too uncomfortable. So I think continuing to normalize the conversation, um, even if that means in our digital world first, um, is really helpful. And, you know, some resources, I guess sometimes you're not even aware that you've been holding on to so much pain or stress until you see someone else who's calm and either you're like, wow, I want that. Or you're like, I don't believe it. And so <laughs> I'm so triggered right now. Okay, you know, so, <laughs> so I think like even, even beyond just a conversation of mental health, it's about increasing awareness of your own daily experience and the story you're telling about yourself mm-hmm. in your body, in your thoughts on a daily basis And if you find that there are areas where there's chaos or rigidity or overwhelm, then perhaps like it's a chance to get curious about what's underneath that. And I think naturally that'll usually guide you towards some kind of mental health related tool or exploration. Um, But at the heart of this, it's, it's not about like, I think Mental well-being, and I say well-being instead of health, encompasses so much more than just do you experience mental illness or not. It's Mm -hmm. understanding this entire universe inside your brain, your mind. It's understanding how your body operates so that you can feel empowered to be resilient in daily life, to, to form secure and safe connections with people to have enough confidence to pursue a dream that seems kind of scary but you really believe in right it's like this is the foundation of how you show up in the world so it's so much more than just let me try to get rid of the anxiety it's also okay if i learn how to manage anxiety and understand my experience what does that enable in the rest of my life. And Mm -hmm. there's so much that people have experienced and so many reasons that you might not feel safe, comfortable, confident in your mind and body. You deserve to. And approaching some of these resources, conversations, following people on Instagram who, you know, talk about these things, seeking therapy, whatever it is for you, um, I think creates a bridge between your current experience and being able to say, ah, today I woke up. I know who I am in truth. I know how I want to contribute to the world. And I actually know how to move forward and and, and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Such gems you're dropping. The one <laughs> last question I want to ask you is, what does it look like to reclaim power over your well-being? Hmm. In my experience, this concept of reclaiming power was very quiet and it had to do with trust. I realized before that I sought answers from every other external source and it was not ever checking in with what was going on inside. 
I had lost faith in my ability to set boundaries, to understand my own limits, to listen and respond to my needs with care. And reclaiming power actually was more like repairing trust with myself Mm -hmm. and recognizing in moments, oh, now that I'm aware of what's going on in my body, instead of just shutting that down and setting it aside, I think there's actually helpful information here. And maybe if I would just listen, I could approach this decision a little differently than I have in the past and get myself out of that rut and pattern that I seem to be stuck in when I'm only listening neck up. So Mm. the power, you know, didn't look like some externally strong, brave human. It was very quiet and... Mm. Um, and nurturing and patient and uh, all of the qualities I think that I, I once perhaps viewed as, as weak. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, you know, that was my journey. The important thing here is to go, okay, maybe I'm in touch with all of the things that Allison wasn't. So what's my journey and really listen, like mm-hmm. you don't have to listen to me. Stop listening to me. In fact, <laughs> Listen and check in with yourself. <laughs> They're like, actually, why did you listen to this whole episode? Just right. I'm like, if you if you take away anything from this episode, it's that you don't need to memorize anything I said. I invite you to check in with yourself and see what your own mind and body are saying, and then you know seek the kind of support that's helpful for you to grow and feel whole. Yeah. That's very valid, though. It's I think we all love a WebMD moment, uh, like mm-hmm. anything else, a TikTok, uh, anything other than like maybe just give yourself a voice memo and listen back to it and see Oof. where you're at. i haven't tried that before that's a great idea my gosh it's like me and my friend's new favorite thing like we kind of call each other and if one of us isn't free it's like all right i'm just gonna talk to myself i might clean my room or something and just like just if i can't writing's not accessible right now just like talk to myself about everything that's in my head and just dump it and then you don't even have to listen back to it if it's too much but like Mm -hmm. it's there for you too if you need to so Wow. That's my little it's brilliant. Yeah. It's a it's a juicy one. I like it. I love it. <laughs> I'm gonna try it. On today's show, you heard me in conversation with Allison Stoner. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and share. This episode was produced by Taylor Camille and edited and mastered by our friends at Edit Audio. Our theme music was created by Madeline Lakomsky and Matt Didomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenna Gibson and Karina Masonette.